podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey gang, Nat here. Favour to ask. We are up for an award. Yep. <laughs> it took me a while to uh, work out quite how the hell that happened. But we are. The Sports Podcast Awards, no less. We are nominated in unsurprisingly, the NFL category for best NFL pod. How about that? How about that? So help us out, please, if you can. If you got, I reckon it takes about 45 seconds. That's my guess. To head on over to sportspodcastawards.com. You got to register, register your email and vote for us as your favorite NFL show. It's going to help us because quite frankly, we like a bit of chest puffing. But also, if we win that award, we think we've got a better shot of getting Drew Locke, Joe Judge, maybe even Urban Meyer on the show next season. And that is our wish list for next season, as you all well know. So head on over to sportspodcastawards.com, sportspodcastawards.com and vote for the show. Appreciate it. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombs Show College Days. You know what, Ben Isaacs? I'd almost forgotten that music, what it was like to intro college days. Where the hell have you been for the last three or four weeks? Well, bowl season gets quite busy. <laughs> uh, there was also the small matter of COVID, which I was I was fine, but it was annoying. Minor, minor detail, minor yep. detail. Um, and here we are, national here championship. Are. And it's, it was a good game, thankfully, after two... Mm. not so entertaining semi-finals it was an entertaining championship game yeah there should have been a clue in that comprehensive georgia win over michigan in the semi-final because as our listeners our long-time listeners will know you are a beloved member of the crew an all pro member of the <laughs> crew your insight and wisdom on college days and beyond of course a big part of our nfl output as well has been so illuminating and on point for for years quite frankly however you are not you are what you're not ben is a degenerate in the same way that me and propo are and so when it comes of course to this stage of the season where me and propo are starting to stare down the very real reality the very real reality the very stark reality that (laughs) in about five weeks time we're going to have no football to uh fill our degenerate cups we start looking into particularly with bowl season into into uh, having a flutter on the college game. And of course, it's something that mm, we're not particularly well versed in. Um, so we lean on our old friend, Ben Isaacs. <laughs> yeah. How has that gone? Yeah. Mm, not great. <laughs> so before this game, and and this is off the back of a couple of um, chips in our WhatsApp group that, that Ben uh, <laughs> did. Before this game, I, I don't know, about a couple of hours before kickoff, yeah. I said that Ben Bama are going to do it again, right? Bama is looking at the line. Georgia are three-point favorites. Bama are going to do it again. What was your reply? Uh, yes. Yes. Like, reasonably confident. <laughs> yes, I think I think they will. So <laughs> well, I, weigh, I weigh it on Bama. And of course, 33-18, Georgia takes down. But of course, it was not as simple as that because there were contributing factors. How significant, first things first, was the Jameson Williams injury? And I know, of course, that the receiving call was short stacked anyway because of injuries beforehand, but Williams in particular, how big a game changer was that? Do you think massive? He is, he has been one of the best wide receivers in college football this year. He's a, he's a freak. Um, and they were already having to rely on him a lot in 
in this game and in the semi-final against Cincinnati because they had lost John Mechie, their number two wide receiver that was in the SEC championship game against Georgia. Now between them this season, they've combined for 23 touchdowns and more than 2,700 receiving yards, which not surprisingly makes up the bulk of the Alabama passing attack. Um, And without him, they looked a little bit lost in the red zone. This mm. was not, I mean, this was wasn't... a particular big red zone threat. I mean, a prolific yeah, receiver, he is. a red zone, Calvin Ridley-esque kind of threat. He's right? someone who just seems to get himself open in the red zone and was kind of Bryce Young's main outlet. And the thing is, this isn't, this isn't the Alabama team of the year before, which was an absolute offensive juggernaut. Mm. Um, you know, they lost a lot of players to the draft, obviously. So, it was very much on Jamison Williams' shoulders to get himself open, make the big plays. And it was a defensive struggle for a lot mm. of the game. And then he went down injured, and the hope was he was going to come back in the game. And eventually it was announced he is not coming back. Now, he was desperately trying to get on the field. Mm. He felt that he could still contribute something in that game. And by all accounts, Nick Saban had said to him, no, you will be endangering your future. You've got many years of football ahead of you. Mm. you know, he, the, the, the plan was, is, we shall see, for him to be in the draft in 15 so what's weeks. What's the injury? It appears to be um, a torn ACL. Mm. So an absolutely devastating injury. That The thing is, is that it might have been that if he was out on the field... He would have at least been drawing some coverage um, from, from the cornerbacks and that it may have made things easier. Mm. And Nick Saban wanted to protect. Uh, well, fair play to Saban for that. Uh, absolutely. That, you absolutely. Gotta, you, for whatever you think about Saban, you've got to respect that. got to respect that call. So look, slightly loaded question, given what you've just said, we don't know the rehabilitation uh, program clearly at this stage or an expected return but but whichever way you cut it even if he it's a speedy and relatively straightforward bounce back for him this is inevitably going to affect his draft stock so let's just say we get to we get to april may and all signs are good we won't have uh, potentially could have worked out i guess by this stage for for teams presumably you'll miss the combine right yeah i can't yeah Yeah. i can't because like there's no point going to the combine if you can't go full speed Mm. It's better to leave people wondering what you might be able to do at that point rather than prove prove the doubters right. Right. And uh, do a four, seven, a 40. And so you might have a pro day, say. And yeah. so let's just assume that ahead of the draft, he does that, does exactly that. Pro day, works out, looks the part. Everybody's sussing him out. Will he bounce back to pretty much where he was? Or <sighs> is his staff, is his... Uh, it's not going to drop whatever happens now. Yeah, I think it. I think it has to drop. A lot of people were saying he's like top half of the first round guy, and now I think we're looking at late first round. He could even if if people are not confident about the injury, he could fall to the second round. Mm. Now, providing he recovers fully from that ACL uh, surgery, and we just we just don't know. Some people. Some people are better than others coming back from it. Uh, there are so many factors, obviously. If he is anywhere near his what what people expecting him to be in the pros or what he can be in the pros, then it could mean that someone 
gets an absolute bargain. Steel. It could mean that a team that goes deep in the playoffs and picks mm. like in the late 20s ends up picking him up. And, you know, maybe his contribution isn't massive in his rookie season, but then you've got, um, you know, a, a top wide receiver after that, which, mm. you know, it could be, it could be a lot worse. I, I just hope it works out for him because, you know, we see a lot of players opting out of bowl games mm. um, because yes, bowl games are a lot of fun to watch, but they are glorified exhibition games. These aren't when you're in the semifinals and in the, the championship game, obviously this is what you play college football for. These you want to win these games and you don't you don't go to Alabama just to get drafted. You go there to actually win mm. championships. And he clearly desperately wanted to do that. Like he he could have he could have been of a mind to be like, okay, I don't want to make this any worse. I'm becoming a multimillionaire in April. I need to chill. And he was desperate to get back mm. out there. So it shows as well what a competitor he is. That sure. He is. Do you think it's going down? I take your point, the obvious distinction with the with the national championship game versus a, a lesser, with respect, but a, you know, obviously a lesser bowl game. Nevertheless, do you think that this is going to only accentuate the conscious admissions and re, you know self removal from bowl games going forwards? Yeah, players. Yeah, I think it's a, that have a draft, have a draft shot, and think well, even more than ever now. And is that is that coming a lot of the time? pressure from agents even even maybe pressure i mean of, of course the coaches are going to tell one of his star players not to play but bearing in mind what you said about saban there are going to be people around around a player that are going to be steering them increasingly to sit, sit out bowl games do you think yeah I, I think it's a great point i think because this is a high profile example of it happening in the postseason mm. that there will be players who will who if they were on the fence will think i don't want that to happen to me right um there will be some coaches who, if a player has perhaps had a bit of a bit of a twinge, might say to them, look, protect yourself for the next part of your career. And some people might think, oh, that, that's short-sighted. That's you taking one of your best players off the team and you could lose a game. But do you know what? Coaches win in the long term through good recruiting. And the best recruiters and the most popular coaches are the ones who are very much in sync with their players and people might look at Nick Saban and think, well, he's this old guy, <laughs> but he is on the same page as his players. His players love him and he gets his players. So if you are, if you're a recruit and you are like, you are a top level crew, you can go absolutely anywhere. And Nick Saban comes to your house. You are not going to be looking at him thinking, he tried to get a guy to play on a torn ACL. Yeah, right. Chance that he could win a game. He was worried about this guy's NFL future. Yeah, I'm yeah. About my NFL future. This guy is looking out for my long-term interest. He's not mm. thinking about the next four years. He's thinking about the rest of my life. And this is something that Great coaches point. have to sell to mm. these guys, and they have to trust. They have to trust those coaches. And you, you some some coaches have complained about players transferring or players opting out of bowl games the same sort of coaches who take better jobs and leave their team in the yeah. Yeah, which is yeah, yeah. double standard they have to trust their coaches and nick mm. saban is one of the most trusted coaches probably in college football history and this this speaks to it and it only helps recruitment so yeah. if you're a coach you might say to a guy do you know what maybe give this one a miss it doesn't really matter you can travel with the team we can We'll go and we'll go to Disney World with you anyway, but maybe you shouldn't play 
think about the draft because recruits will hear about that. Mm. Loads of great points. Not least uh, early doors on that last answer. The uh, you reminded me of, of the he's so old uh, talking about a thirty <laughs> four year old. Let alone, <laughs> like he's like thirty six. He's really old. Um, the uh, Nick Saban down with the kids idea is uh, is a is a really interesting one. It, probably because he doesn't try to be. You kind of get a sense that those older head coaches that try and be oh, <laughs> yeah, exa- co- yeah exactly culturally simpatico the ones that are yeah just it ha- not I mean, nick saban is 70 he doesn't try to be something he isn't he just happens to know exactly what these players want and he understands that and he respects that he knows they are desperate to play in the nfl and he only wants players at alabama who are prepared to fight for their place he mm. he doesn't when there's been a lot of stories about him going into recruits homes and you know talking to the families and how he is in their homes what do you reckon he's drink do you reckon he takes a scotch oh yeah can i get you a drink coach saban what do you reckon he asked for i think he asked for an iced tea that's what i think <laughs> he very he'll go for the southern option he's not from the south but he's very much now of the south and i think an iced tea i think and Some, I love and I love Ice T as well. What a rapper! <laughs> really awkward, really awkward. <laughs> they have a similar like age as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ice T is in his late sixties, I think. You're right. Yeah, um, but yeah, Nick Saver. I remember reading something about um, one recruits, um, one recruits' parents. Uh, so it was an African American family, and his mother saying, "I've never seen a white man put soul food away like Nick Saban." <laughs> this, love it. this is this is Nick Saban. He will. For all his money and all his success, he will come into people's homes who have very, very humble homes, as you can imagine. They're in the South. These are these are people as well with come from families with not a lot of money mm. who have got a lot riding on this. Mm. And he goes in there and they make him feel at home and he is down with it all. He is so personable with those recruits, maybe not so much with the, the with the media. You know, he describes anything negative about Alabama as rat poison. <laughs> but with his with his team, they they love him. I, I'm such a big fan of Nick Saban. In the same way, I'm such a big fan of Bill Belichick. And I think people get such a skewed view of those two guys that could not be further from the truth. Players love them. And they're really sharp, intelligent and funny guys. What did you make of his cameo performance in The Blind Side? Oh well, I mean, acting is not here. Yeah, there are a few. There are a few real coaches in that, and none of them seem oh, who, to be. I'm trying to think who else was in it. Was that uh, Tommy Urban Meyer was in it? No, sad. Oh, was no. Um, uh, Ed Orgeron was in it. Mm. Um, Ed Orgeron should be on TV. I mean, anytime I mention Ed Orgeron, I always feel like I should tell people if you've not heard Ed Orgeron speak, you've got to just Google any interview with him, because how you would imagine the most Louisiana football coach to sound <laughs> it sounds like it's him doing an impression to take the piss out of that sort of person <laughs> it's so over the top oh i've um, got a list here here we go so lou holtz was in it yes of course he was houston nut was in it yes who the hell's houston nut so houston nut was coach of old miss at the ah, time i want to okay. say okay. um yeah houston nuts ended up houston nut. Come yeah on. things went badly for houston <laughs> Did nut, it, yeah. i want to hear what happened to houston nut well, Houston Nuts, there was, um, I'm sure, oh, what was the scandal? What was the scandal? Um, he did have to resign. Oh, uh, uh, yes, yes. It, <laughs> it, was, it was recruiting It was recruiting violations, which is not really a surprise. Yeah. Um, I think it was like people being perhaps offered money or something. Um, yeah, he was working with Hugh Freeze, 
which again is also a great name. <laughs> Your name, Hugh, but Your... Hugh, Hugh Freeze, <laughs> another old Miss guy who kind of was fired in disgrace. I think for him, it got a bit more embarrassing because his scandals were, um, <laughs> but I, I, basically it was involved escorts. <laughs> okay. And then, Okay. And then Hugh Freeze ended up at one of the most religious universities you can imagine. Mm. And he ended up, um, I believe he was like, he coached a game from this hospital bed or something. Uh, Hugh Freeze is fascinating. Hugh Freeze, we could do a whole show on Hugh Freeze. Oh, we, we, oh, we're going to do an off-season yeah. show on yeah. Houston, Hugh Freeze. Speaking yeah. of great college names, and back to the championship game. <laughs> Let's talk Stetson Bennett. We love Stetson Bennett, of course. Uh, not not solely because of the superficiality of his great name, but the uh, the fact he's a real underdog story, isn't he, Stetson Bennett? Yeah. So Stetson Bennett was not recruited by the University of Georgia, and he grew up in Georgia, a massive fan of the Georgia Bulldogs. His dream was to play for them. So he didn't, he didn't get a scholarship offer. So he enrolled paying his own way and became a walk-on player. So a walk-on is someone who is a normal student paying for the privilege to be there, but joins the football team. They're not offered a scholarship. They're not getting any special treatment. And it wasn't hey, working sorry, out. Just to, just to jump in super quick, just on that point, uh, yep. dumb, well, there's no, there's no such thing as a dumb question, I guess. Uh, something I never actually checked and don't know the answer to is there a cap on how many players can be on a college roster as in or is it can you have it in well a, a, a certain number that suit up on a day but the overall pool you can or do you have to be registered no, how does that no work? you 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 were right you can have a certain number suit up um the number beyond that is mm. kind of unlimited so you can take oh, a right. lot of you can take a lot of walk-ons okay they're not really going to do much mm. um there's a limit to the number of scholarships you can offer mm-hmm. um so it can't just be that you can you know offer 200 people a scholarship to take them away from other other places yeah. what's but, the percentage of scholars so is the full obviously all starters are going to be scholars is the entire roster typically on a scholarship and then the your if you determine i guess your sort of first and second stringers and then everyone else is a walk-on or is it, is it, um, it you not many not many starters will be will be walk-ons mm. so you can have um you can have um 85 scholarships okay per team which is obviously a lot when you think of kind of an nf the size of an nfl roster You're right okay um within that 85 some of them will redshirt if you redshirt in your first season it means you do not play you you go to practice, you go to all the meetings, but the plan is you do not step foot on the field. This is more common with quarterbacks um, for obvious reasons. So they can, they can do a lot more learning mm. and it doesn't count as one of their years of eligibility. So they can be at the university for five years, play for four um, because they've, they're red shirts. What we'd call a, a, um, a red shirt freshman. And usually if someone is described as a freshman, that could mean they are they did redshirt as well. So um, so yeah, 85 scholarships. So the vast majority of them will have scholarships, but you can have you can have basically an unlimited number should you mm. choose. There are obviously downsides to that if you're trying to work with too many, too many players. So it's you do get some players who walk on and become become successful and are then offered a scholarship. And it's it's often this kind of heartwarming moment. You'll sometimes see it on social media where a walk-on who's been doing really well. Um, they get the whole team together and like the coach is uh, making his announcements. And then he says, you know, can, uh, can so-and-so come down the front? 
and then they'll announce you're getting a scholarship, which is obviously worth, mm. you know, potentially hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also means, right, you are very much a part of this team mm. and what we want to do. So those are obviously huge moments for them. Um, so Stetson but, was a walk-on. Stetson uh, was a walk-on and then he left the team because he couldn't, he couldn't get on the team and he desperately wanted to play football. So he went to a junior college. Mm. So if you've ever watched Last Chance U, those are junior colleges. So he joined one of those played well enough that Georgia turned around to him and said, okay, now we've seen you play, we'll offer you a scholarship. Mm. So it worked out very nicely for him. So he achieved his dream. And that was simply to play for the University of Georgia. But then so not just that. like a backup or like a number three on the, how many, they yeah. typically carry three on the depth chart? Um, oh, you would probably have, well, on your depth chart, you're looking at three, but you'll mm. often have kind of like five or six mm. quarterbacks knocking around. And um he was the backup. He was the backup to JT Daniels, who just is clearly more talented, but just wasn't getting things done. And Stetson Bennett ended up being given the job. And Stetson Bennett, considering he had, at the very least, a really good um, final quarter against Alabama, Stetson Bennett, there's a very good chance he won't even get drafted. He mm. may not even enter the draft. Like, for a start, his goal was to play for Georgia. His goal wasn't to play in the NFL. He kind of knows his limits. He's not particularly athletic. He's not, he's not tall. And if you're not tall, you'd better have other things going for you. You'd better be really mobile or mm. really accurate. And he isn't. Mm. They were winning in spite of him. They didn't need to do much on offense this season. Um, they were averaging in the regular season 6.9 points allowed. So that would mean if you get one touchdown in a game, in effect, you're winning the game. So he didn't have to do a whole lot. And the worry was right in the postseason against against Alabama in the championship, get SEC championship game, then against Michigan in the semifinal, then against Alabama again. You're going to need to show us a little bit more. And he didn't in the first game against Alabama and then against Michigan and in the final, he did well enough and he made some good plays, but he is a very limited player. So don't go into this game or like if you watch this game back, don't think that he's going to be an NFL star, unlike the guy on the losing team who probably will be. And that was Bryce Young, who won the Heisman Trophy, but he couldn't get it done. Um, whereas Stetson Bennett, Stetson Bennett could. So we I want to see here. I want to see Stetson Bennett in the XFL then, based on what you just said. I think that would be a great fit for him. Uh, we might have mentioned this on the show before, because I know we've talked a bit of Stetson before. So listeners, apologies if you're thinking, oh, Matt has a, a memory of a goldfish, <laughs> which, which frankly I do, as, uh, as Ben will attest to. But uh, Stetson Bennett's dad is called Stetson Bennett. Yes. Um, I, I think wow. it might be that his granddad is also called Stetson Bennett. Uh, Buddy Bennett, his granddad. Oh, damn. I was thinking Buddy. he was Stetson Bennett III, but Buddy's he, close his enough. Da his dad's Stetson Bennett III. Stetson Bennett, who's just won the national championship, is Stetson Bennett the fourth. That's it. That was out of my head that he was the fourth. And Stetson. I was thinking it was four in a row, but not four in a row. IV. Uh, so, so Stetson Bennett heading to the XFL anytime soon. <laughs> Other players in the game that are on their way to the NFL, you think, pick out a couple that performed, or maybe didn't necessarily perform well in that game, but performed well this season. You think you're going to have uh, uh, a high draft stock, or at least a draft stock out of the out of the Alabama and Georgia rosters? Oh, well, there's there's a pile on the on the Georgia defense. Um, Nakobe Dean. Now, he's the linebacker for Georgia, and he has been absolutely relentless all season. He actually had a quiet game, which is 
he didn't make a whole lot of tackles and he didn't have, he didn't do as much he wasn't as involved in some plays as he usually is but i think a lot of that was down to how good the defensive line was like the players that were playing in front of him just were fantastic and of those Trayvon Walker he's a defensive end at Georgia he's another one to keep an eye on in April he had a nice game on the line he got a sack as well and the other big name on the Georgia defense is Jordan Davis he's a nose tackle Mm. he actually had his splashiest play on offense they put him in as a lead blocker uh, for running back Zamir White and it led to the game's first touchdown so that was fun and on on the Alabama side um, you know it, it it would have been it would have been Williams. That's the guy who I think we would have been talking about as the draft prospect. What's um, Mechie's injury? Is he going to be same question that I asked before? Yeah, about his Williams? well, John John Mechie, um, his was this. I want to say that was an that was an ACL as well. Mm. Um, he's he's someone who is going to be in the um, he'll be in the draft the following year, but he's got he's got a torn ACL. He's which is. I think his isn't as bad as Jameson Williams. I think he's going to be. I think he's going to be okay and be back quicker. John Mechie the third as well. By the way, he's uh, he's going to get to the, he's going to get to the fourth. <laughs> of course. Um, but perhaps the best player on the field in terms of kind of the as a draft prospect is on the Alabama side, and that's Evan Neal, who's this giant left tackle. He will be one of the first. Now I can easily see him being like a top five pick he is absolutely outstanding he was pretty much flawless again against georgia didn't give up a sack all season and he just looked as as great as ever now a year from now i think we'll be talking a lot about about bryce young um the the alabama quarterback he had he had a bit of a weird game um and it certainly was not his best game i to be fair he had over 300 yards but he also had like 20 odd incompletions and just Mm. Was, was missing on some throws, but in, in understandable circumstances, in, though, right? in very much understandable circumstances. Um, but like they threw a lot, Alabama threw a lot with Bryce Young. Uh, I would want to see him run the ball more, but he threw 57 passes. And for perspective, Georgia only ran a total of 56 plays, so that shows how much, uh, how much of the ball Alabama mm. had. And I gotta say, if you didn't, if you didn't watch the game, you're listening to this, you didn't watch the game, and it was 33 18. It was much closer than that sounds. That mm. sounds like kind of, yeah, Alabama lost this and just were never in the game. Not true. Because with a minute to go, Alabama were down by eight points and had and the ball. And driving, in, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they had the ball in Georgia territory and then Bryce Young threw a pick six and that really that really padded the score. Also, mm. also, I'm going to do my best to describe this because again, if you, didn't, if you didn't watch it, one of the weirdest plays I've ever seen happened now it was Stetson Bennett's and it was a fumble recovery but Stetson Bennett came um kind of rolled out to the right he was being chased by Alabama defenders and he threw the ball away but it was one of those where he was kind of hit as he was throwing the ball away and it's kind of then a judgment call was the arm going forward is it a pass but nobody thought it was a fumble at the time as it was happening and the ball fluttered out bounced on the ground and an Alabama player who was just kind of half jogging, half strolling off the field, it just kind of bounced into his arms as he was stepping off. And then immediately the referee said, uh, fumble on the play recovered by Alabama. The guy who recovered the fumble didn't know he had recovered a fumble. <laughs> he thought it was just like, just like a reflex. The ball just popped up kind of towards Legend. him. 
and he picked it up. Now, if he'd known, he could have run it in for a touchdown. It was mm. it was only on about the fifteen yard line. Oh. But as it is, Alabama did score, score on that possession. It. it was the it was the only touchdown they scored, and <clears> that they did so they did so well kind of like getting into scoring positions but then failing and that was the one they had a very short field and it's and they managed to score quite easily but such a weird play i hope such- there's a still photograph of the guy the, that moment of recognition when he's yeah. on his hands and he yeah. realizes he's looking around like what what so, someone described him to me on social media as it as it was happening as like the kid who's done no revision and ends up somehow getting like straight A's in the exams <laughs> and can't figure out how he's even managed it. Like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, don't yeah. ask me. But that is a definite, definite Sam from Quantum Leap moment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's yeah. what that's what that was. I'm certain of it. Look it up, kids, if you have no idea. <laughs> Anyone uh, under the age of 35. Nick Saban remembers it. Saban's a Quantum Leap fan. I bet, I bet Saban loves I bet he loves Al. I bet he's uh, that's how Saban switches off. Belichick goes fishing. I think Saban. I think Saban just gets out his Quantum Leap box set. He's got it on DVD. Yeah, <laughs> he's got it on DVD, and he rolls. He rolls out a bit of Quantum Leap just to just to relax. Yeah, when but he he knows not to bring it up with the with the recruits. He knows that isn't going to work. It's like this is this is my time. This is just Nick time. Nick, this is Nick time. He does actually. The, yeah, I think he's sitting there in his lazy boy bit of nick time and if he is sharing that moment with anyone it is iced tea <laughs> yeah also yeah a yeah. huge a huge quantum leap fan i imagine they they kind of they they're texting each other and they and they kind of sync it up they're like right okay press play now ah oh. and they're watching it <laughs> yeah, together they do and yeah, they're like they can do. you believe omg can you believe that happened <laughs> even though they've watched every episode like 10 times i want a quite like the Brilliant West Wing podcast and the Succession one. I want a Quantum Leap one with Saban <laughs> and Ice T. Make it happen, Ben. Make it happen. I also want a reboot, mm. and I want it to star Nick Saban and Ice T. Oh, I love that! But I love that idea of a Quantum Leap reboot. I mean, some things you should just never go like the Italian job. Which actually, the Italian job re- remake wasn't a bad film if the original one hadn't existed. If you, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Oh, it's quite, it's quite fun, it's easy going. Uh, terrible idea because because of that there are a few i think uh the great steve martin i'm a huge fan of did a sergeant bilko film i remember oh yeah he did what that. are you doing no, don't go near no do it no uh even though we love love you steve martin crazy town and i feel that quantum it might be a tv tv version of that shit but if you were but i've read... got the perfect cast you know i mean oh, t- who have you got oh you're, well, sa- you're sticking with saving yeah, and ice yeah, saving an ice tea, yeah. tea in the owl role yeah <laughs> Oh, if, you, if you wouldn't watch that, then I, I give up all hope. Producer Ol has no idea what happened in the last three minutes because, he, of course, he hasn't watched anything made before the year 2014. <laughs> so, yeah. No idea what the hell we're going on about. Uh, okay, listen. Hey, Ben, let's wrap things up. I know it's college days, but college days all season long has had an, an NFL slant. Two things. We're going to be rolling in the offseason. So fear not, listeners, college days will be probably ramping up as we get or certainly as we get close to the draft but in the off season mm. as well there's a lot coming a lot coming your way and we'll get you set with nfl prospects left right and center and uh, a bit of 80s 90s noughties pop culture yeah. <laughs> as well but uh i want to wrap on the bears and because you are of course an erstwhile bears fan and certainly not a matt naggy apologist so he's gone right and pace has gone as well what do you make it pace going you happy about um that? 
I, th- I think it's the right decision, mm. I, but it's a decision that surprised me because all the talk coming out of Chicago was that um, Bears ownership wanted to give Ryan Pace a bit more time, mm. um, that they were reasonably happy with with the majority of his draft picks. And they, the thing is, is that you want your general manager to be involved in the selection of the coach. Mm. And I think they felt, okay, well, we'll, we'll roll with Ryan Pace. This was, this was the feeling in the second half of the season. We'll roll with Ryan Pace and he'll help us pick the next guy. And please, something, something changed with ownership that this, that made them realize we need a, we need a fresh start. So I think it is, I think it is right that they're, that they're gone. I've obviously, I've moaned a lot about Matt Nagy. I'm not now Mm. kind of, dancing on his grave i didn't think that he was the world's worst coach i think he was just this wasn't this wasn't the job for him right now um who do you want i think i would like if i could pick anyone right now i think i would like ryan day who's currently coach of uh, head coach of ohio state um he's been a quarterbacks coach in the nfl so he's got that experience too um, he really gets quarterbacks he really gets offenses and he really gets justin fields already right. Right. so to me, that'd be my number one pick, but I also really like Byron Leftwich. Um, I think he's done such great work with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think it's I think he's done an underrated job. I think people kind of look at the roster and think that's what's doing the work. But anyone who Tom Brady um has so much time for as he does with Byron Leftwich, that's impressive to me. Yeah. And also Josh McDaniels, I think he is going to be a good head coach at some point. And I think it's probably I think he's going to be a head coach next season. And I think he's going to be good at it. I don't know if you heard uh, the Carlson pod yet, the review pod that we dropped. I think only yesterday we're recording this on Wednesday. If Propo gets his act together, this might even be out on Wednesday as well or Thursday. But earlier in the week, that's in the vault. If you haven't, uh, Mike in vintage form, uh, as always, had a great idea on the succession plan for New England, throwing in Flores going back to take a, a coordinator Ooh. job in New England. McDaniels is thinking, hang on, what? This is my gig. And Belichick's son is holding his hands up saying, not so fast. (laughs) Carlson, of course, being the uh, cultural heavyweight that he is, uh, channeled Shakespeare and said it was very Shakespearean, that that idea. I was thinking it was more WWE. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, um, my my thought as well would be how... The East Coast hip hop scene went crazy after after Biggie was killed because Biggie had appointed himself King of New York, sure. and then after that it was like yeah. kind of Jay Z going after Nas, Nas going after Jay Z, right. and then you had people like you had people like like people like DMX saying like, well, you know, well, what about me? And it all got a it all got a bit hairy and crazy. <laughs> um, I'm not expecting anyone uh, anyone to get shot over this in New England. Shots in box where it's it's unlikely, but but possible. Yeah, but I mean, these are our these are our frames of reference. Will. Who in this situation is Mob Deep? <laughs> oh <laughs> man, I I'm, so this is, is that, this is, is Mob Deep Patri- podcast. That Patricia, <laughs> and, Patricia I lo- and Bill O'Brien, and I love that we were able to mention Mob Deep and Shook One's Part Two on uh, on the Talk Sport Show on Sunday. That was a yeah, that was did. a good way to end the season. <laughs> yeah, uh, we did. Yeah, boy oh boy. I mean, like it's. I I really didn't expect the Dolphins to be in the head coaching hunt right now, oh, and that that God. throws everything into disarray. It does. I reckon I like the idea. Flores are sort of. Like, I mean, everyone's linked with everyone, and every opportunity at the moment, yeah. right? Or the, or the shortlist of about there seems to be a core shortlist is, is always of you know seven or eight, maybe maybe extended to ten or twelve, and then 
wildcard Mavericks thrown in, you know, so like Gerard Mayo is like Gerard Mayo uh, uh, is not going to get a head coaching gig this <laughs> no. time around, but you know, and, and you will be better versed in the more left field college uh, head coaches or, or even coordinators that real hipsters are saying, Hey, I think they could, you know, look at that. So you could expand this list to 20 plus, but out of that core 10 or so, they, they seem to be linked to every single job. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, everyone's interviewing for every gig. Yeah. In a, in a bears WhatsApp group that I'm in, People keep um, pointing out, oh, the Bears arranged an interview with so-and-so. And it's like, at this point, it's going to be quicker to say who they haven't arranged an interview <laughs> with yeah, because this yeah. list has got to about 50 people now. Um, the thing I, yeah. and I, I know we're, we're, um, we're moving a little bit away from the, from the Bears, but I was, I was surprised about uh, Joe Judge being fired, not because I didn't think he deserved it, but because they seemed to be quite clear that he wasn't going to get fired. Well, they said that and then thought, uh, I mean, it was just the worst. And then they watched the games. Yeah, they said it and then it just, I don't know if that just let the, um, just, I don't know, took this, the final tweak of the pressure valve and it all just completely <laughs> unjudged, just totally unraveled. After I, I wondered if it was the availability of Brian Flores, who's from Brooklyn, and that mm. would he, would he like the idea of coming home yeah. to New York yeah. and taking care of that? I mean, Flores, I think it's got a bright future. I think he's hard done by in Miami. I think lots of Dolphins fans um, would agree mm. on that. Big mistake. I mean, it, I was Mike and I were talking about this on the show that I wonder if and whether this is the right position to adopt or not. But I wonder whether Stephen Ross looks at it and thinks in the same way that in the NFL latterly, something we've talked about many times on on this particular show running back stock has dropped and uh, don't worry too much we'll just find and i'm not saying it's straightforward to find a head coach but i wonder whether Stephen ross thought is it more straightforward looking at what's out there now to get a head coach than it is a good gm and i i, I like if, if he's all in on chris greer then that's an easy decision for him to make yeah that's 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 a that's a great point i think i think there'll be a lot of owners who would feel that a GM is worth his weight in gold and a head coach is perhaps only as good as his staff. Mm. And that if you surround yourself with the right people or the wrong people, that can make or break your job. And, you know, Bill Belichick obviously is, is a GM as well, but as a head coach, he has done such a great job of picking the people around him to compliment. I mean, he is some, he is someone who I think people might perceive as kind of arrogant but bill belichick he knows he can tell he can watch the game and see where the gaps in his knowledge are yeah and picks the right people to fill in those gaps such a great point it's such a great point you know i was thinking about that from uh, a, a, a broadcast perspective a, a really similar thing and he'll love the fact i'm comparing him to belichick now but greg greg often greg rosenthal the legendary greg oh rosenthal, yeah right i remember greg saying to me uh, making the point and it, 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 something he did on this show, I think as well, a similar point, but such and such is an X's and O's guy. And so he was telling me this, like, and not trying to pretend he understood absolutely everything about that deep dive analysis in the same way the brilliant Ollie Connolly, when he comes on the show is such mm. a good X's and O's guys. And he is particularly good in the way that he articulates it uh, in a very straightforward and accessible way. I think that's his, you know, real, real credit to, to his ability, but, Greg was saying that, saying, look, it's okay to it's okay to be an NFL journalist at the level he's at, 
yeah and say i don't that's not my bag i need someone to point this out to me i god i've always been the the same and and I, it was reassuring it's reassuring and it's and look at belichick and you're absolutely right he is i i would imagine in the nfl right now there are maybe five people that have anything close to the knowledge of the game he has but he is hands up i don't I need somebody on this can understand this better can communicate this better that understands this nuance in a sharper way than i do and that's a the sign of a great leader i think and a, an all-round good guy but also it shows how brilliantly complex this sport is that's why yes. you know why we love it it's just constant it's constantly changing got to keep on, on top of it uh, i wonder if flores that gig i wonder if, if the Flores takes it all. If that gig is uh, much like Chicago, I guess, with, with Gettleman going to New York, is wide open for mm. uh, you can have control here. It's, uh, you know, or maybe, or maybe the Urban Meyer situation just scared everybody off. And, and obviously, you know, nobody knows exactly what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson. My my feeling is, is that it's all going to be civil thing rather than a criminal thing. Mm. And there's going to be a lot of money that changes hands. And we will not find out the details because it will all be um, it will all be confidential. Mm-hmm. And he will return as an NFL player under a cloud at least for a while. But that that can go. It did for it did for Michael Vick. Um, and obviously, the the crimes are different. But I'm just talking about someone who yeah has gone was... through something and their public reputation was in tatters. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Deshaun Watson. The whole thing with him being linked to the Dolphins was because Deshaun Watson wanted to play for Brian Flores. Mm. Now, who's to say the New York Giants and all their talk of yeah, 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 we're 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 happy with Daniel Jones. We're not looking. We're not looking elsewhere. Well, they were happy with Joe Judge. So Daniel Jones yeah, right exactly. now is himself. Who's to say that they don't get Brian Flores and we don't see Deshaun Watson wearing mm. New York Giant blue? next season wow we're gonna end on that bombshell <laughs> yeah baby brilliant stuff ben at tweets for ben is where you follow the big man as i say we are rolling uh all well hey forget the off season we've got plenty of business to take care of and you're going to be a big part of that of course as we get uh rolling towards the super bowl but uh, in the off season and possibly before college day is still coming your way thick and fast so keep your eyes peeled for those brilliant the road stuff to the draft starts now love if that. you've listened to this podcast the road to the draft has now started get ready love that we're going to call it that we're going to steal that uh, appropriate <laughs> the road to the draft uh, officially locked in ben brilliant bud look after yourself all right speak to you soon Podcast Network.